You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation, but never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled Studios. I signal. Foster Care Nation. Listen up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Terminator. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. Hello and welcome back to Foster Care, an unparalleled journey with Jason. No, Amanda. Sorry, guys. You know, like it happens a lot of times, she's off doing adult stuff and I'm over here playing on the computer. So, you know, she would rather do adult stuff. I would rather play on the computer. So uh, that's that's what you get is just me today. If I sound a little bit off, I'm sorry today, guys. You're going to have me with a bit of a cold. So I know I sound funny. I'm about a half octave deeper today for some reason, but that's just what God decided to give me to work with today. So I'm going to work with that. Um, but in order to not kill myself too awful bad by talking the whole time, I make sure that we try to always bring in a guest who has something interesting to say and has an amazing story to go with it. So today we have Kyle Maurer. Hopefully I said the last name right. I usually ask ahead of time and I didn't today. So how are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great. And I want to thank you, Jason, for your commitment to your loyal audience here coming in under the weather on a holiday, everything. Uh, uh, I admire your level of commitment. <laughs> hey, it, all I have to do is sit in a chair and talk. This is way easier than chasing kids around the house. It's not a bad gig, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, uh, today we uh, we actually had three interviews scheduled for today, and a couple of them did not make, happen to make it because, uh, um, you know, Kyle, you you signed up for a day that happened to be Labor Day, and I didn't even think about it until I looked at it today. I was like, yeah, we were supposed to have three interviews today, and it's on a holiday. So thanks for showing up on a holiday on a you know traditional day off for most people where you're out doing fun stuff. I don't know about where you're at in the world, but where we're at, it's kind of cold and wet and rainy. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's no fun outside today. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. I spent the first half of the day splitting wood with the kids and uh, now my back is sore and I don't mind sitting in a chair and talking for a little while. <laughs> oh man, it has been a long time since I split any wood, man. And I am not jealous of that at all. <laughs> it wasn't all that bad. Actually, the kids were kind of helpful. You give them a purpose and uh, and they're happy. Yeah. How old are your kids? I have six kids right now. Uh, I have two five-year-olds, one four-year-old, two two-year-olds, and a four-month-old. I don't believe they're terribly helpful. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give them a little credit today. They did their best. They carried some logs from one pile to another pile. And, uh, and I think in the end of the day, they saved me a little bit of effort. I think they did. So I'll give them that. I'm grateful. And it kept them busy and out of mom's hair for quite a while. I remember at about oh, seven years old, I think I was, we lived out in the backwoods of Tennessee when I was a young kid and, and we heated our home with wood heat. And I remember being the one who was out there trying to help, quote unquote, help. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll give my dad credit because he let me skip school to come help cutting wood and stuff. And so that was pretty <laughs> awesome when you're in second grade and that's what you're doing for, you know, for that whole like skipping school thing. But it was a, it was a good time. And except for the one I have one really, really vivid memory of when he was tossing wood into a pile. That was my job, just like you mentioned, carrying wood from this pile to that pile. And 
he, he realized that as he let go of the chunk of wood to toss it over to the pile and he wanted to warn me. So he hollered my name. And as I looked up, it hit me square <laughs> in the nose. Oh no. <laughs> and Jason. Oh no. I think Zoom picks it up. The, the video picks it up, but there's still a little bit of a scar right there from where I got smacked in the nose. Pretty good on that one. But yeah, oh my gosh. Building memories, right? Building memories. Yeah. <laughs> the kids somehow, they somehow, you're right. They do have this tendency to stand exactly where I'm trying to throw the logs. I split the log and there's always a kid right there, right in the way. Uh, you know, I think, I think as kids, we all have that tendency to just be in the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift. Yeah. 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 God knows I did. I did. Yeah. So, mm. all right. Now, six kids. I, you know, I, we may or may not in the near future have number eight staying with us long term. We we have seven. And so I, I'm just going to go ahead and say that six puts you on the crazy spectrum. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. So six kids. I mean, what does that look like for you? Because I, I read your bio, so I, I happen to know enough to know that, that your kids are, are, are kind of like mine and not all like the old fashioned kind. <laughs> sure yeah you could say that that's right all six of them are either adopted or in the process of being adopted and and you, i don't know if you when you say crazy you mean that we're crazy because we're probably going crazy uh in this environment or we were crazy to get ourselves into this situation uh maybe both might be true but uh um it as uh as is so often the case it's not like uh this wasn't exactly the plan uh but things don't go according to plan uh when you sign up for adoption or foster care and uh and things have worked out uh well enough and and uh, we're happy with our situation uh, but uh, this is not what we envisioned or what anyone envisioned uh, at any point in the process it rarely is it rarely <laughs> is so uh, are, are you and now are you married we are married yeah my wife and i've been married for uh 13 years I certainly hope you have some help there because uh six kids is outnumbered for a pair of parents but of a single parent that would be that would be way difficult numbers to manage. <laughs> I, I just can't even imagine. <laughs> yes, I, I feel you. I feel you, man. So what brought you into this world of foster care and adoption? You know, was that something that was in your family growing up and your wife's family? Or what did that what did that look like when you guys first started talking about it? Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, it was a little bit a part of our family. My mother was adopted and my wife's mother was adopted. And both of us, my wife and I, coincidentally grew up in households where we had biological siblings, but also a adopted cousin who came in to live with us. So my family did and my wife's family did. So we had these things in common. And um, and so it, it was a part of our life. Uh, it, it wasn't something that was uh, so in our face that we were conscious of it all the time, but we were, we were well aware of it. But it was only after we struggled with infertility for some years, for about eight years into our marriage, that we really started to seriously have conversations about this. We wanted to have a family. We wanted to have kids. My wife especially felt that that was her purpose in life and and to not have kids that late into our marriage. She felt uh, directionless, lacking that purpose. And uh, and though it, and, and it was a real struggle. We started to have serious conversations about adoption and uh, we signed up uh, after exploring a few different agencies. We signed up with one in 2017, no, 2014, I should say. And we, um, we talked to a lot of adoptive families. We learned a lot about what the, the different stories were to kind of set our expectations going into this new, uh, we didn't know anybody who, uh, 
you know, we were we were actually still in our 20s at this time. So we were far younger than really any of our peers and cohorts going through the adoption process and uh, didn't know much of anybody who could relate to our situation. Um, and so we uh, went out of our way to talk to a lot of people to set, of our, set our expectations. And um, we talked to family after family who waited maybe several months uh, before uh, it, they were chosen. Their profile was chosen to uh, to be an adoptive family. And that was kind of what our benchmark was and what we expected. Like at any moment after we were a waiting family in the pool, we thought we could, we could have a child at any time and we got to be ready. We got to be ready at any time. And then three years went by quite quickly. Oh. And there were occasions in which we had to respond to a situation and where it, something was on our radar, but we were never picked in that time. And that, and it felt very long. And we were honestly quite discouraged after those three years um, that we still had not been picked by a single mother. Um, and, uh, and then, then suddenly we were suddenly we were in the summer of 2017 and uh, we met uh, our, our first birth mother and um, and we had about one month notice before our first daughter was born. And we got to be there at the hospital and come in right after after our daughter was born, take her home from the hospital days later. And and that was a wonderful story uh, for us. Everything worked out perf- as perfectly as it can in that situation. We felt very blessed to uh, be matched with a birth mother as um, as amicable and cooperative and supportive and sweet and loving in every possible way, parenting already two other older children of her own. And the rest of her family welcomed us as a part of their family, uh, which has been amazing. Even to this day, um, our birth mother's family treats us like members of their family and supports us in every possible way. And we visit them on out of state trips and, and have holidays with them and so on in this wonderful situation. And that was really the start of this journey that we ended up on this unparalleled journey, you might say. Yeah. Wow. It's, you don't find, you, you don't find many stories that, that have that much just, I mean, smoothness seeming it, it took a while, but but some smoothness to walk right into it. So it sounds like it's maybe an open adoption. Absolutely. It is. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm curious because all right, I was raised by old school parents and I have some old school tendencies in me that sometimes are good and helpful and wonderful and beneficial and sometimes are not. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I grew up in a world where adoption was one of those things that they always, everybody always tried to keep that quiet. You didn't want to talk about that. That wasn't something we, we just didn't talk about that. And so it was the thing, closed adoption was the only thing for, for decades. I mean, that's very true. Honest. And so, you know, what, what has that been like for you having an open adoption? Because I, I hear enough people talk about it and, and advocate for that. And having had enough kids now who, who we've adopted and seen how, how that, that effect has gone from very young kids to teenagers. Like that's, that's important. So what's that been like for your family? Yeah. Wow. What a topic uh, and a topic that I've become unexpectedly quite passionate about and could talk for, uh, for quite a while on, on this. Um, I think the first thing that I think about is my mother and, and my wife's mother, as I mentioned before, both of them were adopted and uh, we were able to observe the difference in uh, their stories 
because both were originally closed adoptions, but my wife's mother eventually uh, in her early adult life was able to get acquainted with her birth parents and establish a relationship with them that continues to this day. Um, and that has that was very positive for her. And um, the ex- differences in those experiences uh, were have been striking to my wife and I. We've had many conversations just observing how different it is for my mother, who had never had an opportunity to meet any of her birth family, um, and her mother, who did, and was able to establish that relationship and was able to like settle those questions that one grows up wrestling with. And I frankly, I think she's more well adjusted and able to um, just adapt and be and and find peace. Uh, in a lot of things because of the settling of those questions and uh, and that relationship and, and not wrestling with identity questions in the same way. So I think about our mothers and the differences in the experiences they had and then how our experience has been. Obviously, we went through a lot of education in the process leading up to our adoption. And so the agencies that we were, we we interviewed three or four different agencies and probably a dozen different families from those agencies and all the caseworkers and uh without exception everyone is uh every everyone is advocating for open adoption in every case and there's reason for this what the whole the the industry if you will has shifted its mentality uh in 180 degrees completely over recent decades and now there isn't anyone pushing for closed adoption anymore. And that's because we have a lot of history and a lot of stories and we have learned and, and everyone who spoke in our education process who had been through this talked at length about the differences and experiences. And, and uh, we were very sold uh, from firsthand uh, encounters that we had. Then our story only confirms uh, what we believed that open adoptions are much healthier uh, and uh, for and better for all parties involved. Our, uh, maybe ours was just by chance happened to be particularly um, particularly uh, cooperative and positive and uh, and a birth family that um, that we just like. We have no we have no qualms with having an op- a, a long term relationship with this family because they are. A stable, well-adjusted, loving, supportive, uh, and uh, cooperative, and and loving—just just a wonderful family all around. The kind of people that we would just love to have in our lives, regardless of the situation. Um, so yes, our first birth family has been great, and having an open relationship with them has. Obviously, our kids are still young, but I think it is a healthy for them, and uh, and kids just have this wonderful capacity for. Um, coming to terms with things that we explain something that uh, that we as adults have have uh, we've turned things into taboos we've we've created we've we've made things uncomfortable that don't need to be kids just they just accept it and our kids just say oh that's it that's how it is okay she gave birth to me you're my mom and dad that's how it works okay what's for lunch <laughs> that's it <laughs> you know you must have boys <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know yeah. Even, well, yeah. All all of them, they just they accept it. 
and find peace with it. And uh, the older we get, the harder we are, the the more of a struggle that becomes, I think. Now, I, I don't know um, all, all of your um, all of your your kids. Does does any of that come come through the foster system, or has this been like a um, an adoption where a mom just was not able, capable, ready? to uh to mother a child or or is there some foster stuff involved in there as well yeah uh i'll i'll briefly summarize the the next stage of our story we so as i said before we had our first daughter through uh, through adoption an open adoption and um and that was a great experience and one of those experiences, one of those classic first parenting experiences where it's so good. We're like, we got to, we could do this again. We could have more kids. Of course, this is easy. This is wonderful. And, and she's a, she's an amazing child and still is to this day. I love her. And uh, she was one of those easy kids that uh, life just on every level got better when she was around. Um, and so we signed up to pursue adoption again. And we were waiting a little while when, we decided it would be uh, we, we felt compelled to start looking into foster care and uh, we had talked about it before, but this time we got serious about it and um, we were still waiting to adopt again, but uh, we pursued becoming licensed foster care family. And in the summer of 2020, um, we officially got licensed and uh and in truth we weren't even licensed yet the paperwork wasn't even finalized when two boys were placed in our home and uh and my understanding is that that is not too uncommon to uh have placements come quite quickly as soon as as soon as one is 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 a uh, open to a placement and so we had these two boys who were the youngest of six children a family of six kids all of whom had been removed that day from their family um and there was no place that could take more than one uh so the other the older four all went to four different foster care homes and the youngest two ended up with us and so we took in those two boys a at the time a two-year-old and a three-year-old and uh and so we adjusted to having three kids in the home and we had them in our home for two weeks when the original birth mother of our daughter contacted us and said, um, actually a member of her family contacted us on her behalf and said that she was pregnant again. And would we be willing to adopt that child? And so we were just adjusting to having three kids in the home. <laughs> we said, this is this, this is the biological sibling of our daughter. Absolutely. We, we will, uh, we will adopt this child and that will be a blessing. And then a week later, she found out it was twins. And uh, and then they were born shortly after that. And so within a span of four weeks, we went from one kid to five kids. And uh, and that was quite an adjustment. And uh, all during the summer of 2020, which was an interesting time for, for all of us for other reasons. Um, and so that was that was a bit of a ride. And uh, and uh, like I said, it took a little while to adjust to to that group. Um, and then uh and then skipping ahead to this spring um basically the same thing happened again only even less notice um i came home from work one day and my wife after hearing 
about the day that I had had because it was an interesting day. She said, that's nice. I mean, uh, our, our birth mother had a baby this morning and uh, we need to talk about whether we're willing to adopt this one too. <laughs> uh, and which we did. We did. We took that baby home too, but that was that baby was born that morning. And, uh, and so that brought our group to six children um, with, and uh, that brings us to today, I think. Yeah, I think that means that that question about what kind of crazy we were talking about is, yeah, yeah, you're, you're both kinds of crazy, both getting there and and having been there to, to get to where you're at for sure. It's, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. five? That's, that's a jump, man. That's a jump. That's a, And that's what I said. Uh, it wasn't exactly the plan. You know, uh, we, we said definitely like another kid, two kids. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's have a sibling for, for our beautiful daughter three okay we can manage that wait five okay uh hold on six when's this gonna end now that now it's all just jokes uh everyone in our life uh making those wisecracks that are not actually that funny to us uh, about when you know when is she gonna stop having kids because at this point she's raising three children and we're raising four of her children uh that she has given birth to um and uh and so that's that's the the split in our in our family. We have uh, four given birth by the same mother and two by a different mother. Um, and going back to your other question about uh, open relationships, that's one of the interesting dynamics in our family at this time, where four of our children come from a birth family that we do and will continue to have a strong, vibrant relationship with. Uh, and we want to see those birth siblings and the, those birth parents and those birth aunts and uncles. We want to see them and we will. On the other hand, the two boys we took in through foster care, that's not exactly the same situation. And that puts us in a situation where we feel um, a little conflicted because we are advocates of open relationships. And we believe it is important for kids to have some kind of a relationship at least to answer their questions at least to wrestle with their questions of identity and um and these two foster children come from a situation that we don't really want to engage directly with more than we have to they come they were forcibly removed from situations for good reason now we'll have a continued relationship with the four other older siblings who are in other foster homes right now all of them logistically it's it's challenging to coordinate visits with all of these different kids and all of these different foster homes but we manage but the parents that's another story we're still navigating that yeah that's that's something that we've experienced is figuring out how to how to place the right judgment in the right place and how we handle this because um unfortunately for our kids we we don't have any of what you would call a safe and healthy environment where they could have those relationships Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know about your, your situation. Our situations have almost always involved a lot of drugs. And, you know, unfortunately, when, when you deal with drug addiction, um, you deal with a lot of poor choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, you also deal with things like, I mean, people get drugs in their house because they deal with a drug dealer somewhere along the lines. And that's not always, you know, like Uber Eats doesn't bring you that. Right, <laughs> you tend to deal with some uh, unsavory yeah. characters in in that, and you know that that's been some of the stuff that we've dealt with. You know, there's been some some gang affiliation. There's been some other, you know, just troubling things that that just aren't safe. 
and it's 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 horrible for us to to look at it that way and realize that you know because of that we cannot give the kids the those answers to those questions that they want you know one particular kid who's at you know he has lots of questions that he would ask his birth mom but it's not a, necessarily a safe place where we can go to uh to have those questions answered for him because of, because of the situation and and it's it sucks for him to be honest mm-hmm. it really does mm-hmm. But as parents, our job is to is to to moderate that in the the best possible way through the whole thing, and, and that's been a challenge for us. How, is is that something you guys have had to work through? You know, as far as dealing with those sorts of things with drug addictions, or is there other stuff there, or, or you know, what what is the thing that that allows you to decide whether or not it's a safe place to to build that that relationship? Mm, yeah, I think different but relatable. Um, I don't, we're with our foster children, um, their parental rights were terminated only several months ago this year. And, uh, we still, uh, until the adoption is finalized, we don't actually get to see the case file. And so we have what our caseworker has told us. So we know a lot about their situation, but we don't know all the details. And we've even, we've even been perhaps guided maybe by a caseworker that you might you can't unsee what you see and maybe reading the case file could be something you you consider doing or not doing when the time comes but that aside um we know that there were abusive situations uh, for these kids and the older siblings especially the older siblings and and they went through some very hard things but uh but different situations um but we definitely consider um uh, for us in our household, it, it, a lot of it is the contrast between the experience that some of our kids will get uh, versus some other kids. And we want every kid in the household to have uh, an equally supportive and, and positive upbringing and overall experience uh, growing up in our household. That's not easy when some are in different situations that are a little bit more complicated. We come with a lot more strings attached uh, and, and and causes for concern. Um, so the birth parents are generally people that we don't want to have a relationship, that we don't want our kids to have um, to be with, especially unsupervised. Um, and uh, and that's not the case, for as I said, for the other kids where we will have ongoing relationship with them and there will come a point where the kids will raise those questions you know why we spent so much time with with their birth family and not with mine they're not old enough to be asking those questions quite so much but it will come i'm sure and we'll have to navigate that oh yeah yeah i mean some of our kids have i mean you know when i talk about dangerous situations um some of our kids were actually present when their when their their father was murdered over a drug deal gone kind of sideways from what i've read of the reports and so i mean stuff like that it's it's true danger it's it's just you know not just trying to to villainize the people in their lives and you know i don't want to do that at all but there are some things that just are flat not safe and i would not put my my wife or my own biological kids in that kind of danger and i won't put them in that same kind of danger and it's it's difficult for them to understand that because you are dealing with kids who have a limited ability to understand these things that's absolutely true that's absolutely true and this is something we're still figuring out i don't i don't know how we're going to wrestle with that when the time comes 
Yeah, that that part is really challenging because, you know, one particular kid that I'm thinking of, he's got a lot of questions and, and he deserves some answers to those questions, but I don't know that he'll ever get them because, you know, what why is the big question in his mind and I totally understand it. And, you know, the, even even if you could ask that question, I mean, let's be honest, these these kids, biological family, most likely never intended to end up in a situation like they ended up in. They never intended on getting into a place where where children's division or, or DFS or whatever agency, you know, the particular state has came into their life and, and terminated the parental rights. They ended up in a situation through a cho- usually a handful of bad choices. It just went sideways and they couldn't control it. It lost they lost their ability to control it, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, keeping those connections where you can is, is awesome. But, you know, our, the littlest one who's staying with us right now, um, who just woke up from her nap, I didn't, I could hear her a little bit ago. I don't know if everybody else heard her, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she has, um, I believe, six siblings through her mom's side and four siblings through her dad's side that, that are, as far as I know, in the in the system right now, somewhere along the line, whether they're adopted out or or um, in the foster care system. And so she's got like a lot of biological siblings out there. There's no way that we can keep up with visits for one kid for 10 other siblings. <laughs> Impossible. Right. Yeah. Good luck. I mean, even if you don't have a day job, that's a that's an impossible task because as far as I understand it, most of those kids are in separate placements, although, um, you know, the, some of them may be together. I, I don't really know all the details because, like you mentioned, we, we don't get all of the details from the caseworkers. We just, you know, we got a phone call and said, hey, there's a baby that needs a place to stay and you don't have anything in your crib right now. Um, <laughs> you might have to that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, because yeah, you know, people don't always understand how this works. You know, I I love how how you you mentioned you know your wife. You come home from wife, and she's like, "Oh yeah, nice day." Now, by the way, um, <laughs> I, I pulled up at my house one day after a day of work, and I rode my motorcycle to work. I come riding home, and I'm pull up in the driveway. And my wife's sitting there, and she has this look on her face like she has something to say. And so I shut the motor off, and she says. Hey, uh, you mind if we go pick up a baby here in about an hour and a half? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> hope you didn't have evening plans. <laughs> yeah, and it and it was an hour and a half because it was an hour and a half drive away to to go pick him up. But um, but yeah, that's that's what it ended up being. And and so sometimes we just get get handed a kid. If you get the whole yeah. story, you don't get all the background, you don't know all the details, all the parts, and and, and oftentimes once they do, you do get. The story that they know you only get a small piece of it because yeah. the case workers only know what they've heard so far mm-hmm. exactly you know, does this kid have any exposure to drugs any exposure to different types of whether it's physical or sexual or mental abuse do they have behaviors that show up none of those are questions that are guaranteed to be answered yeah yeah that's very true <laughs> And yeah, that's, it's made us pretty decent detectives when it comes to just dealing with some of these things that, to try and help kids out. Like where, where's this kid at? One, one young guy. And I talk about him a lot. Um, you know, for the people who've never seen me, I, I have more than a couple tattoos and, um, he, he's tattooed over here on my chest. And, uh, but, but when he showed up, like we had very little story at all, but he was, he was such a sweet young guy. And he had been through so much that if you gave him a cup of water, he, you were his best friend. Like, 
he wasn't treated with that much kindness apparently in, in his birth home and um and, and so he he would just open right up and and we could tell like certain types of like he never gave a story about oh well he was how old was he he was um i want to say two years old when he came to stay with us maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it was three developmentally he was a little bit behind because he wasn't really speaking hardly at all at that point but you could tell certain things caused a lot of trauma and and we had to become detectives just to know what he'd been through so we could adjust how we would handle those situations right yeah yeah you have to and then come to find out like there had been a lot of abuse around around diaper changes for him and wow and that that made it very significant because turns out kids who are in diapers need them suckers changed on a regular basis (laughs) (laughs) yes i know yeah i bet you do you've got a little one (laughs) Uh, i imagine you probably have like a black belt in diaper changing by now don't you oh yeah yeah just two at once let's come on (laughs) i don't think i've ever even had to do two at once so mad props to you for that skill i don't have that very bad job on my my belt yet (laughs) but but yeah yeah, just figuring out as 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 a responsible adult who's trying to care for a kid who comes from a hard place how do i handle these hard places these hard moments with these kids when i don't know what's going on so what's that been like for you guys figuring that stuff out as you go along the road i know it sounds like you've got some kids who've experienced some significant different types of abuse has that been something that you guys have gotten pretty good at at seeing and understanding and working around those problems with them oh all these situations yeah these are these are the these are the dilemmas and the the, the reasons to remain loyal subscriber to a great podcast like this and and continue to get great insights of course um so yeah, i need all the help i can get i'm looking for advice here because i some days i suck too yeah <laughs> i know i know but uh kudos to you for providing a great resource to this community um i i think that there's there's a lot that we've learned in this in this short uh period of time that we've been that we've been uh, working with in the system and uh we've learned a little bit that it's important to remember we aren't doctors and and we do need to be careful about diagnosing our children's issues and explaining their behaviors when as you said so so well we have so little information to go on and uh and it's easy to take those little nuggets of information that we have and extrapolate that and draw maybe the wrong conclusions. It's all too easy to do that with the best of intentions. And we've learned to be a little bit careful about that. And, um, with the, we, we've, we've had some, some, um, takeaways from the, the two foster boys that were placed in our home being very different. And, and we, we eventually learned that they have the same birth mother, but they have different birth fathers and they're, um they're strikingly different in personality and one has a lot of behaviors a a lot of challenging behaviors very challenging and uh in ways that i think you could relate because you've talked a little bit about uh in previous episodes about having children with very impulsive behavior and so on and uh and some of that we attributed to perhaps traumatic experiences and um and later learned a little bit more which helped us attribute more of that to probably an adhd diagnosis which we discovered their older siblings the four who have the same biological father uh as this child 
have that diagnosis and are already medicated for that because they're older. This child was just too young to be diagnosed for it. And, uh, and we learned a little bit more about what those diagnoses uh, typically entail and, and what the, the, the signs of, of this condition might be and what actual signs are of, of trauma. And there can be an overlap. There's like a Venn diagram of what trauma can produce and what ADHD can produce. And they can be, um, they, the diagnosis can be perhaps misconstrued, misconstrued in a lot of cases. And we actually discovered that what we thought was trauma was probably ADHD with this child. And the other child actually was exhibiting behaviors that were probably due to trauma that we were missing. Uh, that we didn't understand until we actually started to learn a lot more. Those were much more subtle uh, and and not as um, not as disruptive and in your face as the behaviors of the other child that we were constantly struggling with. This meanwhile, this other kid who's not as loud, not as boisterous, uh, not throwing tantrums, not uh, getting in her hair constantly. This other child who's over here is exhibiting behaviors that we can attribute to perhaps past traumatic experiences and those actually do need to be handled but in very different ways these are they these are brothers but their issues are dramatically different which is a theme across the household with all these kids from different from different situations who each have completely unique uh challenges and our approach it must be so different for everyone which I'm sure, again, you can relate to very well. 100%. Yeah, it's, I've got, I, I joke and say that I, I've got, you know, one little guy who like DSM-5 needs to be revised to have like an ADHD premium level. Um, <laughs> 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 you say that. That's my little guy. Like he is, this kid is, I, and the thing is, is that I, I hate for anybody to hear that and think it's, I'm, I mean that in a bad way because it's not in a bad way like this kid when when he is up oh my gosh he is the happiest kid you've ever met when his when his when he is like really almost not quite manic like this kid is as happy as you ever met and he's so much fun so yeah. much fun now when he has his down moments yes we have to we have to be aware of that as well um but as you mentioned you know the kids are can be so different you know their their experiences their biology all the way that they respond even two kids with the same biology and the same stimulus will react differently sometimes. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've got one who's who's dealt a lot with dissociation. And that's the exact other side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I go, huh. Now, if you just look at the look at the outworking of it, look at the, the end result. When they're both having a bad moment, it just looks like two angry boys who decided, let's go duel it out. You know, and <laughs> I don't know about your house, Kyle, but the house I grew up in, I had a brother and, and we did some of that too. And, and we didn't have any excuses other than we were just boys doing what boys do. So sometimes, sometimes it's hard to, to diagnose all that and realize what we're dealing with and understand the difference between when you're dealing with, with a diagnosis, when you're dealing with some traumatic stuff or when you're dealing with kids, just being kids. Because sometimes yeah. even well-adjusted kids who come from, you know, loving, safe homes that have no reason to act like little maniacs will act like little maniacs and, and they have to be dealt with occasionally, you know? Yeah. 
now, now we didn't we didn't have any of that problem in my house growing up because my I, I was always a good kid and I, I just you know good thing my mom's not here she'd tell stories but but since she's not here <laughs> I'll right. claim I was the angel and and my brother was a problem and it's a good thing he's not here either he probably has some stories to tell but it's such a challenge to figure all this stuff out man and then people look at you like you're crazy when you're in the middle of Walmart or the grocery store. And a kid starts to have a meltdown and you're like, whoa, 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 hang on. And you're trying to deal with, with one kid in the middle of their emotional breakdown. And you right. have two, three, maybe five more kids with you that you're trying to, to manage the whole group as a whole. And you can't manage them all the same way. It doesn't work. That's so absolutely true. How have you, how have you been able to, to work through some of that where you, when you have those moments and you have a how like there's two of you and six of them, you know, Zone defense works great sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going to call. We're going to go uh, cover two nickel formation. Um, yeah. You blitz and, uh, and I'm going to take the rear. Uh, I think yes. it, I'm, I'm it right takes real strategy, that. real strategy. You know, you, you have to get uh, um, pretty detailed and be pretty intentional um, because we can't, We've learned enough that we know we can't just autopilot this. We can't just parent uh, based on our emotional reactions and our gut in the moment. We actually have to be thoughtful and strategic and think ahead and learn uh, a lot about each individual child. And, you know, we have we have, a you know, a couple of ch- children who are similar a couple who come from the same birth parents and exhibit similar behaviors. And so there's like, there's, there's one girl who's two right now. And when her older sister was two, she was behaving in the same manner. And we feel, Oh, okay. We kind of remember going through this and here's what worked in that situation. And so we can learn from that with another child. And this is what a whole lot of families get to go through. Uh, they're, they're in, you know, different situations than us. Um, but, uh, but as you said, uh, that's, that's not quite the case. Um, that we're in with everyone uh, dealing with such very different issues. We have a kid who is quiet and stews on everything. It could be moody and, and another kid whose emotions are on his sleeves and another kid who can be uh, high highs and low lows. And uh, one day is amazing. And the next day is terrible. And just, these are very different children and um are you living in my house yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's therapeutic to get to talk with some it's so hard in our normal lives to find people who we can relate to which is really one of the one not to dodge your question or anything or to like rabbit hole or anything here but one of the like unforeseen burdens or challenges in this process is just there's there's so much that I can go through in my life that most people can relate. You know, I lost a job this year. Like, Oh, well, that's tough. I'm going through a different, you know, I lost my grandparents last year. Like we all go through those things. This is something that no one in my life that I work with, go to church with, see at the co-working space or see at the store or in the neighborhood, no one relates to these challenges specifically until I engage with a, a specific community of this kind, like foster care nation. And, uh, and that is, uh, that makes one feel isolated and, and lonely and lost at times. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because as dads, we're supposed to have it figured out, right? We're fixers. That's yeah. what we're wired to do. And and you can't fix some of this stuff. Most of the stuff, you, you don't, you, you, not only do you not get to fix it, it's not your right to fix <laughs> it. Like it's, it's, it's their struggle. It's their trauma. And you're, you're not supposed to try and fix it for them. And that's been one of the hardest things I've had to do is realize that I don't have the right or the responsibility to fix these problems for these kids. The only thing, and I mean the only thing that I found that I can be successful at is just creating an environment where they can be safe enough to begin to heal some of these issues on their own time. And that on their own time piece is hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's extremely important and spot on. That's, I think what we're, what we're called to do. That's, that's, that's all that can be asked of us. I think so yeah. I'm curious, you, you guys got, got into this foster and adoptive space. Um, I know you mentioned the infertility as a reason why you originally looked at it. I also happen to, uh, to know that a lot of people find their way here through their own religious beliefs. Is that, is that a part of your, uh, is your spirituality a part of the reason why, why you guys have, have looked into this world? You know, I think I can't deny that it was a contributing factor. There's, there's no question about it. As I said before, it was a part of our family story. Um, we, 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 adoption was a part of our lives and, um, and, but it was, but it was also a part of our, uh, a part of our life, um, coming into, coming into 2014. It was, it was in the winter of 2014 that we actually, for the first time ever, we had known about it and thought about it, but the first time ever we attended the annual March for life in Washington, DC, in January that year. And the theme was adoption, uh, the theme of everything. And so there was a lot of talk about that and a lot of advocacy for adoption and education about adoption. And so that was around the time that we were really struggling and it uh, undoubtedly like it inspired us to have serious conversations for the first time confront something that was easy to kind of like push to the side and and neglect and procrastinate and not talk about because it was un, an unhappy topic that brought it to the forefront and forced us to talk about it and and that led us on the journey that uh, that we that we left on since then yeah i thought i knew where i was heading in my life and um at one point i joke about this sometimes at, at one point i knew my oldest son was going to um He's going to turn 18 when I was 41 years old. And at that point, we were going to be empty nesters. And like, we were going to have a paycheck all to ourselves and <laughs> have time all to ourselves. We'd have room in a house like to ourselves Goodness. and we'd have time and money to go do things, go see the world. You know, my wife is, is, uh, her family is, is from Ireland. And so like, she would love to go spend, spend a week in Ireland and, and stay in a castle and do all the cool stuff. And, and we were going to be able to do all that at 41 years old. That's pretty young. Sounds yeah. great. <laughs> Doesn't it here in a couple of days, it turned 45. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and we're staring down, you know, another little one at this point. And I'm going, Hmm, somewhere along the line, something changed in me to where my, my goals in life definitely changed. Yeah. And, and it went from that idea that I thought we were going to have all this amazing, cool stuff to no, 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 no. I've got a job. I've got, God put me here for a reason. And I'm going to yeah. do that instead of just go visit Ireland. Uh, and that for that one week, that's going to, we're going to go blow a $5,000 bill to go hang out and see what a different part of the world is like. And now 
now we've got a we've got a job that we we've chosen to do. You know, it yeah. doesn't really pay. You know, put in air quotes, pay well. Hardly, hardly even covers the cost. It really usually doesn't cover the cost when you look at foster care. Um, True. I don't know about your state, but our state is the second lowest paid state in the nation, and so we we basically are, are feeding and housing and 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 clothing and loving on kids on a, just over two hundred dollars a month, which is not a lot. Never <laughs> raised a kid. <laughs> yeah, know? for that audience, that segment of your audience who has no kids yet, uh, yeah. Just so you know, warning costs more than that. And I have bad news, Kyle. You have boys and they're going to get older and it gets a lot more expensive at the grocery store before long. Goodness, goodness. I, I mean, I'm still young. I remember being a teenager and just fe- always feeling hungry, always. And the time when when we ordered pizza, you just needed a single pizza per person, per teenager, one pizza. Yes. You know, there's no sharing. Uh, you know, it, it's I know that that's coming that that's a little ways off and I don't know, but I, I, I mean, I relate to, I relate to what you're talking about. The, there were, there were goals and, and visions that we had. We, we definitely liked the idea of having a big family. We both grew up in big families, but you know, when we had our first child, that first, uh, that first couple of years was really special and it was really easy. It, that was kind of like our honeymoon period. And in, in so many ways, it, it, it was just, it was easy it was fun and uh, and we did things like um we went to we went to europe and we spent we spent like 6 weeks just like uh living in in budapest uh for a while and i just went to work at a co-working space and and my wife you know would take uh, our daughter to the park every day and we thought this is great we should do that we should just continue to do this every year just like go somewhere new and just like live there for a while and and travel cuz i work remotely and i you know, we can, we can manage to do this. That's great. And then, you know, uh, maybe we could do that with two kids. We could probably still do that with two kids. We can't do that with six kids. I'm just telling you right now, there's no, <laughs> there's no way. And I'm a, I'm a big believer. I'm a huge advocate for travel. I think it's like, I, I feel like we have a, we have a, a an ethical obligation to, to uh, extend, to visit beyond our own, our, the borders of our town and and get some perspective that healthy perspective i feel like it's a part of education it's not just like that recreation that i want to do when i retire it's it's the healthy perspective that we get and i want to take my kids other places so that they grow up understanding that the world is a bigger place and what other people go through uh outside of our town but it is uh it is a lot harder it's a lot more less realistic at this point Oh yeah. We, we, uh, there's a big festival about an hour and a half away from us. They do every year and we'd never been up there. So this last weekend we went up there and took the kids up there and yeah, it was a good time and, and all, but I'm going to be honest, an hour and a half car ride with, with all those kids and all those things that, that bounce around between their ears, because I'm not certain there's always brain neurons firing in there, but you know, it's, that's kids in general, but I mean, we've got, we've got plenty of stuff going on and man, an hour and a half car rides, that's a journey sometimes when you yeah. have many kids, right? <laughs> You're absolutely right. It really is. Yes. Because I had to think, I think we had six kids with us. Um, one of our one of our older boys who's left home, who's, who's get grown older and like actually made it out on his own and, and is successful and has launched into the world. Yay. 
we're so happy about that. He, he wanted to go up there with us and, and he really didn't want to spend the money for gas. He's gotten old enough to realize just how expensive gas is sometimes. <laughs> so it's like, I'll go with you guys if I can ride with you. And, yeah. uh, and our daughter brought, brought a friend with her. And, but yeah, a, a ride like that for an hour and a half can be such an adventure to where travel outside of the country or out to Europe or, or somewhere else. That's not even on our radar anymore. You know, I know. I know. I've decided we're, we're going to take that big trip sometime after all the kids are out of the house and, and we've decided to retire somewhere around 70 or 80 years old, maybe. <laughs> Gosh, Jason. <laughs> but my family does not have the, the health history to, to indicate that I'm ever going to leave the States at that point. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, you know, we do it because because we we come from a place where we both have a reason why we feel like we're here. This is this is what God put us on earth to do. So what is it that that has you and your wife doing this job? Is this something that that you guys have a, a calling towards or is this just something that you stepped into and decided that this is the right place for you? I wish I had a great story or a way to summarize this. It's the it's the kind of thing that it's hard to put into words. It's a it's a feeling really that we can we can do this and 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 maybe we should. Uh, but it, it's 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 not that we don't want to either. It isn't just a sense of obligation like maybe we would feel towards giving toward to a charity that is a or where they cause it feels that feels right but this feels like we have everything we have all the means we have the love we have the stability we have the space uh we have the community um we have all that is necessary to provide for children and um and that is what that is also what we want to do. We want to raise children and we are in the prime of our life right now. When we can, we have the energy to do Sometimes it feels like we just barely, barely do. Uh, but we do at the end of the day, we really do. And, uh, and so it feels right. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit jealous if you have the energy because I don't have <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's it's hard it is hard i'm still getting up in the middle of the night every night and feeding a baby and changing a baby and and sleep is never there's never as much as you would like and the kids are exhausting and relentless especially at this age when every one of them all six of them are in car seats and not a one of them can do a whole lot on their own um it's very tiring it really is uh but we're still young we're still quite young we're still in our early 30s and uh and i do my best to keep physically active <laughs> i try hard uh but uh, there's not a lot of margin for error you know one of us gets sick or injured or incapacitated in any way um it kind of the house of cards comes tumbling down but so far we're managing well you just keep that up because I keep trying to convince myself I'm still young and my kids keep pointing out all the gray hairs that that pop in on the side there. And there's a reason this, the hair on the side of my head shaved off. That's where most of the white showing up. <laughs> it's showing up here too. And it's coming fast. I, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> well, it's a good thing I'm married and I don't have to worry about, about being attractive for any, any women nowadays because yeah, I've given up on, on the looks that that's the first thing that went, I went, yep, I don't even have time for that and for that sort of stuff anymore. I'm, we just, 
all of your energy goes to, to taking care of this stuff. And, and it's, it's, it's a full-time calling, um, for, for, for those of us who do it for sure. So I'm yeah. just super glad to, to meet guys like you, who, who, you know, you and your wife have put this together as, as a home that was not just for one kid, but maybe even surprisingly enough to you as well for six kids. That's, that's a big deal, man. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's been a blessing. It's been great for everyone involved. And these are, these are at the end of the day, they're wonderful kids with a bright future. This is probably what I keep telling myself, comforting myself. This is probably the hardest part, right? It can't get much harder than this, right? Six kids in car seats and half of them in diapers right now. It can't get much harder than this. It's going to be easier after this, right? You're telling me it's going to be easier, right, Jason? <laughs> I have three words for you. No, two words. <laughs> Six teenagers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, come on. Come on. Come on. They, they can buckle their own seatbelts. They can tie their own shoes at that point, I hope. Yeah. I, you know, if it wants you, if you know many teen boys, you start to wonder sometimes. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll shoot for most of them. Most of them, by the time they're teenagers, are tying their shoes, buckling their seatbelts, putting their shirt on the right, the right way. And uh, and not dumping their entire plate of food uh, on their lap and and so on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and I I joke around about the teenage stuff because you know at one point I was talking with a friend of mine and you know the the whole like teen girl thing. I was like, you know, I've got this little girl. She's just so cute and sweet, but I know she's going to be be a teen girl at some point. And this guy was a few years ahead of me on on his journey, and he said he's like, you know, you really have to be careful what you're putting in your head about that because. You know, he's like, they're amazing. They're wonderful. Like he, he's, he has a great relationship with, with his girls and, and they've been through a lot of difficult trauma themselves. You know, his, his, um, his wife committed suicide when they were very young. And so he's uh -huh. walked with teenage daughters through the, the aftermath of that. And he kind of challenged my, my mindset on it. And it, he was right. Like, if I'm going to be honest, you know, and I hate to say this too often because I know once in a while she listens. Yeah. <laughs> My teenage daughter is one of the easiest kids I've had to raise so far. Yeah. She's just a good kid. I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, and it all starts with all those ideas that teenagers are so hard. And, and yeah, I mean, personally, I'm wired for little ones. I'm just going to say that my wife will tell you it's because I am kind of a four year old at heart myself. And so it's really easy for me to, to jump in. The game <laughs> now. That's so but, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of truth to that. But, you know, we just, we have to know that we, we've got some stuff. Yeah, teen years have some hard stuff. And it's it's tough watching kids go through that. But, you know, as long as you walk through it with the heart that you guys have, mm. like you're, you, you don't have, you don't have the, the scary stuff there. You know, you, you're, you're trying to take care of kids. You're helping kids. And you keep that as your goal in life. And, man, it's, it's a tough journey. But it's worth it. It really yeah, is. yeah, and I love that message too. That uh, that maybe maybe the best thing for us all isn't to be bracing ourselves and take and holding our breath, preparing for what is inevitably going to be extremely difficult. And there are parallels at, even at this stage in our journey as we sign up for adoption and sign up for foster care and welcome these kids into our home. Like uh, the best thing for them isn't for us to be. Uh, bracing ourselves and holding our breath and being prepared for the worst, uh, but instead to be setting aside all of that, all those those fears and concerns and uh, anxieties, and uh, that I'm sure I'll be having as they approach teenage years, setting aside those 
and appreciating the positives and and the blessings and uh, all the wonderful qualities of these kids and and just um, focusing on those and uh, and hoping for the best and and uh, and just cherishing them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The only thing I will say is is as bad as you expect it'll be is when you get to teach them all how to drive because <laughs> been there, done that. And I've got a my, my daughter who who has been such an, a great kid is going to expect me to teach her how to drive real soon. She's about to get her permit, and I'm a little bit scared. I've been in the car, a passenger in a car before, and I don't like that seat. Oh, I like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just another step on the journey of trying to get these kids where they can go go out and live an amazing life. I mean. It, some point my dad had to put up with me driving him around so that's right that's right maybe maybe there will just be self-driving cars by the time my kids are teenagers and i won't have to worry about it right oh you give me a little hope with that thought (laughs) maybe maybe what if there's a generation will come that we'll have to deal with that (laughs) yeah 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 well i'm a professional driver by trade that's what i do every day so i don't i'm not a good passenger typically anyways i don't care how good of a driver you are but when you're teaching a kid to drive and i'm yeah i've got I've got the whole like professional driver in my head. I've got a thousand things I'm thinking about when I drive. And I think I cause anxiety when my kids are trying to learn. Oh, that's just exactly what they need when they're behind the wheel. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. So that's been my struggles. But, you know, Kyle, thanks for coming in today and telling you guys a story. You guys have an amazing story. And I can only hope that there will be lots of people who will hear your story and realize that, hey, man, I don't have to be somebody with, with, you know, a bunch of specialized training. You know, these guys sound like they, they were just interested in helping kids and they've been doing it and that's amazing. And so I appreciate you sharing your story here and just giving some hope to people that there's an, even, even if infertility is, is maybe in their life, like there's, there's a way forward. Well, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate that. It's been a pleasure to get to come on your wonderful show. And I hope you continue to do this and bring this, all these lessons and stories to this community of, of other people going through similar struggles to who need to hear these stories who need to relate to others. And, and, uh, it's been valuable for me to get to listen to you and, um, and I'm privileged to get to be a part of the show. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Foster care nation. Thank you for listening to Kyle's story. Now take his knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you'd like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have an account at Buy Me a Coffee. It's like a virtual tip jar where you can help us fund our mission for as little or as much as you want. It's at buymeacoffee.com slash fostercare. The links to everything are in the show notes, in your podcast player, or at fostercarenation.com. And as always, you are so super awesome. I thank you guys. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Unparalleled Studios.